All right, Lord, lift us up to where we belong. We give God praise for that song. Thank God for Angel and her commitment to singing the praise team and the gift the Lord has given to her as well to do that. This morning, I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us together in faith. Today is Raleigh Day, and for many of us who do not understand the meaning of this celebration, it is the beginning of the new church year. Summer is just about over, and now the church gets back into her normal business, particularly the, the Christian Education Ministry and the Church Council resumes its normal business of meeting and planning again. For us here at a Holy Nativity, it is also the time when Bible classes or Bible class leaders and lay leaders are installed uh, after every two years of service. This is very important because the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ, which means whatever the presence or wherever the presence of God is, is where the church is. The presence of the church is also where Christ is present. We are his very presence because we are known as the body of Christ. So the body of Christ is literally present on the earth because the church is still here on the earth. This is very important for running a very successful church because the success of any church is not found in her beauty or the beautiful building or how much money is coming in weekly or how many members the church has. The real measure of success in the church is in whether or not it operates in the power of God. That's where success is. We are living in the day of ministerial success. Every church wants to be the largest, the richest, the more influential, and so on. Success is measured these days in millions of dollars. Tens of thousands of attendees at church on Sunday and in worldwide fame and attention. And once you can get that, it means that the church is being very successful. The church is, 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 is doing very well. The sad truth is this. God has a very different standard for determining what constitutes a successful ministry or what constitutes a successful Christian. In Mark 9, in our gospel reading this morning, and in, and in it the Lord teaches us about the most important ingredients of a successful ministry. The disciples lacked that ingredient and they failed miserably. Uh, we are told in verse 18 of this text uh, that the disciples of Jesus failed in the attempt to cast out a demon from a little boy. The boy's father summed up their effort by saying, and they could not. And they could not. They could not is the subject of our message this morning. We, uh, he was right. He came to these men hoping to find some help for his family. 
but he found that these men had no help to offer. They could not. Why did they fail? They failed because they lacked spiritual powers. Now, I would like for us to look into these verses today because, in my opinion, we need the message they teach us this morning and always. We are trying, we are here trying to carry out the Lord's business in this dark, sinful day that we find ourselves in. And too many times people walk away from our churches saying, and they could not. Our problem is the same as that of the Lord's disciples. Often we lack the necessary ingredients required for spiritual success. The first thing I want us to look at from the text is the lack of spiritual power. In Mark 9, verses 14 through 19, it reads, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all of the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So let's see the stage of these passages. Let's set the stage for these passages. In, in chapter 13, Jesus had just taken Peter, James, and John with him up on the mount. And we call this mount the Mount of Transfiguration. And they went out there, up there, and they saw uh, Elijah and Moses and Jesus uh, uh, in this glorious scene. And the Father spoke down as they were there. And so they experienced this wonder. These guys were floating with excitement as they came down from the mountain. They came back, and in verse 14, they meet the other disciples engaged in argument with the scribes. They are being marked for their lack of power. Jesus walked upon the scene and in agonizing detail, the father explains the pitiful condition of his son. The sadness, the saddest aspect of this whole scene is not the condition of the boy. It's not the spirit of the scribes or the anguish of the father. The saddest part of this whole account is the powerlessness of the disciples. The lack of spiritual power has caused the church to become spiritually inactive. And so one of the last commands of Jesus to the 12 was, and you will receive power, he says in Acts 1.8. When the spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And since that time until now, the church has been receiving power. The church has that power. The power of God is rested upon us. And the Holy Spirit is here to remain with us until Christ comes back. But most often we quench him, we grieve him, we move him out of the way. We become him and we stand for God and we make decisions and choices for God that are not from God. The powerlessness of the church has caused us to lack effectiveness in so many areas. James addresses one of these uh, this morning in our second reading. 
wherein he talks about our lack of spiritual power in keeping our tongues under control. We speak things that need not to come out of our mouths because our tongues are not under the control of the power of God. We need God's power to do God's work. And this is why Raleigh Day reminds us that it's that time of the year to study God's word, to pray for power, and act in faith. This is what all of this is about. So we just talked about the lack of spiritual powers. Let's talk now about the Lord of spiritual power. In Mark 9:25, it says, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit, the deaf and mute spirit, and he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Here, Jesus commands the evil spirit to leave the boy and never come back. The demon attacks the child one more time and comes out of him after that. The boy becomes so quiet and so still that the observers thought he was dead. And then Jesus in verse 26 does what he does best. He takes the child by his hand and raises him up to his feet. And as you look at this story, there are some lessons we can learn from this. The first lesson is that the powerlessness or the powerless church rather portrays Jesus in a bad light. And the people are mocking the disciples because of their lack of power. Uh, same with the church today. The church today does not even have enough power to save herself from closure. How can we possibly save someone from their sins? We need God. The church needs the power of God. It is about time that we begin to focus more on why are we so ineffective in the things that we seek to do for God? And the answer is simple. Because we move him out of the scene. We take him out of the picture and we make it ours. Remember the same situation happened in the Old Testament. When Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, left them down there. And they went and built their own calf to worship it. Let's do it our way. Even though he brought us out of Egypt, brought us through the wilderness, saved us, and brought us this far. Now we can worship what we want to worship and the way we want to do that. And see what it caused then. Today the church finds herself in the same situation. When will we get away from ourselves and allow God? Let go and let God. When will the church get to that point so that we can see the power of God, so we can see the wonders of God. When will we ask the question, Lord, what is your will for me? What is your will for our church? And unless we can ask that and get away from ourselves, the church is never going to get to where God wants it to get. Next thing we can learn is Jesus is still in the lifting up business. We have to know that. Amidst the fact that things seem bleak, and dead and hopeless. I want to let you know that our Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, is still in the lifting business. The young man seemed dead, and all he needed was a lifting by the powerful hands of Christ. 
And those who stood by looked at him and said that nothing good can come out of him. He's done. He's dead. And all it took was a lifting of Jesus Christ to bring him back to where he's supposed to be. Christ as the head and power of the church is willing to lift any and every dead church back to life and ministry again. He still has the power to heal and deliver. He still has the power to reform and transform. He still has the power to lift us up to where we belong. Lord, lift us up to where we belong. Where the eagles cry on the mountain high. Lift us up, Lord, to where we belong. That should be the cry of the church to God. That should be the cry of every church to God as we come in his presence. We talked about a lack of spiritual power. We talked about now the Lord of spiritual power. Lastly, let's talk about the lessons of spiritual power. In Mark 9, 28 and 29. So after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. When this episode is over and the disciples are alone with Jesus, the nine who failed to deliver the child asked Jesus about why they failed, why they couldn't do that. And in verse 28, these men were concerned about the spiritual failure and they should have been. And oh, I pray that the church will be like these nine disciples. Why did we fail? Why couldn't we do it? Should be the question we need to be asking. The answer Jesus gave them is simple and telling. They need spiritual discipline in their lives. Spiritual discipline is what every Christian need. We need it for growth. We need it for life in the spirit. We need spiritual discipline. We need to discipline ourselves in the spirit of God. You see, the flesh profits nothing. And most of the time we get sucked up into this flesh. We get caught up into it. And we try to satisfy the desires of our fleshly desires. And we walk away from what God is saying and what God's will is because his will is not desirous as far as we are concerned. It's about time that the church turns this around. When God speaks to us in Galatians 2.20, through Paul, the apostles, where he says that it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live is the life that I live in the only begotten Son who gave himself for me. What is he saying to us? I no longer live. It means that we, as we come into Christ, we need to understand it is Christ who lives in us. We need to understand that we are the body of Christ. And being the body of Christ, it means that he is our head. Do you understand that your body is never going to work if there was no head on it? You want to try that? Take off your head. And so I'm telling you that Christ is the head of the church. And many of the time, we try to take, it, take, the, take the head off and let the body work. And that's what we're seeing the kind of results we see in our lives individually. And we see in the church. Because it's all about us and what we want, what we want. It is never about what God wants for his church. 
And we need to change from that kind of attitude and begin to look at God and let God be the one to lead us in the path of truth. Christians today are very good at coming up with excuses about why we can't. And we spend a lot of time focusing our energy on why we can't. We do that very well. The truth is, there will be no power, there will be no glory, there will be no revival in the church until God's people learn to lean on Jesus and hone on him alone for what we need. That's the only way we're going to be able to see power. What do we need? We need prayer and fasting. That's what we need. We need prayer and fasting. The NIV version of the text where we read this morning took out the word fasting. If you went into other versions like the King James Version, New King James Version, other versions, it tells you, Jesus said, these do not come forth except by prayer and fasting. And he did not only say this, but he literally lived this while he was on the earth. Jesus was one who was always fasting and praying to the Lord. And that's why he had the power to work and do the things that God called him to do so successfully. Because he prayed and fasted many times. When they met the woman at the well and the disciples went to town to buy food, they came back and he was ministering to this woman at the well. Samaritan woman. And he said, Lord, now come and eat. We brought food. What did he say? He said, my work, my meat, is to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus was fasting and praying while he was ministering. It is very essential for the church today. And this is very scary because it means you will not eat on your meal. You will not eat in the morning or sometimes not eat in the afternoon. Or maybe not eat the whole day. Or maybe not eat for two days. I don't know. Depends on the level of your strength. But fasting is very essential for the body. Not only spiritually, but physically as well. But we walk away from all of these things and expect that by some divine intervention, things are going to happen. If we want to see spiritual powers in the church, folks, we have to come to God through prayer, come to God through fasting. We cannot make what we do for God optional. It's not, it's not a, a liberty mutual insurance where you can go in there and choose what you want. It's not one of them things here. This is God's stuff, and he wants it done his way. And that's why he gives us the spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be able to do the things that God wants us to do that we think we cannot do. The spirit of God gives us the power to be able to do it. And that's why we depend and lean on him. I'm referring to prayer that seeks the face of God. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. The prayer that will assault the, the, the throne room of heaven is the kind of prayer I'm talking about. Waiting on God for an answer when we have a need. Why? Because we are commanded to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says it there, prayer, prayer without season. What that means is we should pray all the time without season. Why? Because the world we live in is dark, dirty, and dangerous. 
And God wants to keep us protected from him, from it. And the only way he does it is by us coming under his mighty arms and, and seeking that protection. Jesus prayed successfully and had a successful ministry. And as we do this, we would then realize the importance of godliness in our lives. We would then understand then that Bible studies is very meaningful. Why it becomes so meaningful and it will become, become more meaningful in our lives. And living a life of faith and power will become evident in the daily walk with Christ. And people will see us and see us reflecting that life of Christ in us. A few days ago, we were in CVS. And a young woman walked up to me and said, Sir, I'm just asking people if they have any prayer needs. I'm just asking people because I want to pray for people who have needs. You have any need in your family, in your life, in your personal life. And I was very blown away by that. You don't see a lot of that in the streets today. But that lady is carrying Christ on her shoulder, on her head. She's carrying him in the streets, in the stores, and everywhere she can go. That's what we are called to do as Christians, as believers. Let your light shine so that men will see the good works of God and glorify the Father in heaven. How is God going to get glorified if the church is not shining the light, sharing the light, carrying the light? It is very essential and important for our life. The light and the love of Christ will be seen by others in us if we pray more, if we seek God's face more, if we learn of his word more. People will see him in us. And as people connect with us, may they not say, and they could not. May the power of God be displayed in our lives enough that they can say about us what they said about Jesus. Truly, God is with them. And that should be the prayer of the church. It's the reason why we come for Bible studies. It's the reason why the church is structured with the church leadership. So that we can lead people in the way of God, in the path of God. And get our selfishness out of the way and let Christ's self be in it so that we can see his glory. And I pray that's received these words this morning. It'll encourage our hearts to step up and keep us steadfast in our faith. Knowing our way that if we really walk with God, he'll never bring us so far and leave us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.